Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Today's episode of Straight from the Source is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Alex Daylock. Uh, last week, Zach Parisi, and now we have the number one player, the top scoring uh, player in all of the American Hockey League, uh, Sam Annis. Uh, Sam, first of all, I mean, leading the AHL with uh, 50 assists, 70 points, 43 power play points, 35 power play assists. You're the all-time leading scorer in Iowa Wild history. Um, man, what a year you've having, and then to have it interrupted in this fashion. Um, man, how tough has that been? Yeah, it's it's uh, it was definitely it's been a great year, and I think a lot of that success has just been a, a product of of being around good players and a lot of good chemistry, and especially on the power play. And yeah, I think pretty much everyone in the world is being affected by this right now. So uh, it's it's frustrating, and hopefully, it's well we can all get this figured out here. Especially especially for you guys. I mean, last year in Iowa. Uh, you're, as I mentioned, you're the all-time Iowa leading scorer. Last year in Iowa, you guys make it to the second round of the playoffs, make the playoffs for the first time. Now this year, I mean, you guys are just been absolutely awesome. Second in the Western Conference, um, third in the West in power play, fourth in penalty kill, second in the Central in goals, and second in goals against. Um, you you guys look like you have a, a legit ability to go and win a Calder Cup, and then to have it interrupted in this in this crazy way. Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating when you think about it like that and we have had such a great year and and last year we had a great team too. We just 
it almost seemed like once we, looking back on it, once we made the playoffs, that that was, it just ended up being our ultimate goal. And just, I think for us returning this year, it's just such a different mindset that it was such a big deal when we made the playoffs last year, especially the way we, we made it. I think we clinched in the last game of the year on a Cal O'Reilly overtime winning goal. So I think it was, we clinched on an, on an absolute high and this year it's just, there's been no let up at whatsoever. So it's been, it's been a fun year and who knows if we'll get to, to finish it, but it's been a great group and hopefully we can. And, and you, you, to do this, this season without Cal O'Reilly, which I think a lot of people thought would be such a huge loss for you guys. Um, I, I ran into him actually during the bye week down in the Bahamas, uh, he and his lovely wife, um, t- tell me about how you guys were able to um, achieve such success this year when you lost some pretty important players to your roster. Yeah, I think we all kind of thought that 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 would be a, a big loss this year and, and mainly in the leadership role with, with him leaving, Andrew Hammond, Matt Reed, Nate Prosser, like all those guys were, were older guys that had big voices in the locker room and not only that, but a lot of experience in in the NHL and AHL, so I think I I don't know what uh how we exactly did it, but uh, we figured it out, and I think just a close group of guys and a good mix between young guys, middle aged guys, and then some veterans. I think it's just we've all meshed really well throughout the whole year. Sam, let's talk a little bit about your background. Obviously, uh, you're a prep school star uh, in the Washington D.C. area. You're the second. Uh, are you still only the second, or have there been more since you uh, to uh, from the D.C. area uh, to, besides G.F. Halpern to sign a pro contract? Uh, another one that has was Joe Snively. He signed with the Caps, and he's been playing in Hershey this year. He's had a good year. He was actually a freshman when I was a senior at Landon, and um, he ended up leaving, I think, after his maybe that year, and he went to South Kent. So he didn't stay in the area, but we're still close buddies and train together in the summer when we're home and stuff. So, and then that uh, and at, La- at Landon, you wound up winning a state title. But uh, but you know, one of the great stories when I was doing that feature on you last year is I was talking to your dad Peter, and he reminded me that actually your freshman year of high school that you were not only cut from the varsity team at Landon, but also your AAA Bantam team. Um, how did you overcome that 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 sheer disappointment to then have such a great um, high school career there. Yeah, that was a very, very tough year on on me. I think um, you you kind of hear about guys getting cut from teams and, and taking it different ways. And I think for me, it was just a way to, to get accustomed to playing against bigger guys and maybe playing at a lower level was able to play against bigger guys and not as talented. So I think I learned some things about how to to use my stature in, in an advantage. And then things like how to play against bigger guys and know when to take a hit, when, when to take a chance and things like that. And so playing a year of JV hockey and, and double a hockey ended up being extremely beneficial for me. The, uh, and then you, you wind up going on to Quinnipiac, um, you, in your, I mean, what a career you had there, uh, 69 goals. Um, I think, which I think is seventh all time in, uh, scoring. You went to the tournament, uh, th- all three years, you were NCAA runner-ups to North Dakota. Uh, your junior year, your freshman year, you won the Tim Taylor Award as the top freshman in the entire NCAA's. Um, obviously, uh, with that, you you were the uh, ECAC Rookie of the Year as well. 
Um, how did you choose Quinnipiac, and what was that experience like in Connecticut? Uh, th- those were those were awesome years there. I think it's it's such a special place for me, and and that's why I've started going back there to train in the summer. And such a great group of guys and and alums and and staff there, everything. But um, Quinnipiac was actually my only Division One offer at the time, so it wasn't too hard of a decision. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to more Division Three schools at the time when I was a senior in high school, and then um, ended up going to. Obviously, I went on visit and and absolutely fell in love with the campus, the rink, and and just the guys were so so welcoming and everything. So after two years of Youngstown and the USHL after high school, I was ready to go to Quinnipiac, and I think it worked out well. Yeah, obviously it did. And we're talking to Sam Annas. You were listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. To subscribe to The Athletic, uh, st- go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source, and you'll get 40% off. Uh, we are still working hard. We got 400 writers uh, all over the world uh, still churning out content, even though sports does not exist right now, which has been very, very weird. It makes you really uh, miss it. Let's talk a little bit, Sam, about your your background. I mean, that was it was really fun writing that feature on you back during your Iowa run last year. I got to talk to your parents, um, Demi and and Peter, um, and you have a great, great, uh, fascinating background. I mean, you, you know, uh, they they sent me the the childhood pictures of you in the kitchen shooting pucks at two years old. Um, we talked about the basement hockey league, but the most uh, fascinating thing I have is that you are from a big, proud. A Greek family, um, and that is still a, a huge part of your lives, right? Your parents speak fluently. Uh, your grandparents are from there. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, I'm the only one in my direct family that is not <laughs> fluent in Greek. But um, yeah, we have a, I guess you could say, a big fat Greek family. Um, <laughs> we're we're very close, so holidays are always fun and and stuff. So it's been uh, that's just how I was brought up, and it's been. Uh, it's been great. I love everything about my family and, and the culture and everything. So Yeah, I mean, last year uh, your mom was telling me that, that, that it is, that your life is kind of like that, that you have relatives that will spit on the, on the couples at, at Greek weddings. Uh, she said that nobody does the Windex thing, that that's a little hyperbole uh, to put Windex on pimples and things like that. Yeah, I think that, uh, that might have just been for, for Hollywood's sake there. But, uh, and I don't... <laughs> We don't have any Parthenon related items in our house or backyard, so we're not we're not too crazy on the spectrum. But uh, my mom is a pretty good uh, cook and and baker for for all those treats and and Greek desserts and everything. So I've, that's how I grew up. And my yaya, which is grandma in Greek, is we're very close with her, and so it's it is a little similar, I guess, to the movie, but not quite on that uh, on that scale. And you've taken after your mom with the cooking, right? Yeah, I like to to do a lot of cooking, uh, especially now with with all the time we have with nothing going on. It's I've spent a lot of time cooking, and I don't I'm not I don't branch out too much. I just like to cook basic, clean foods, and you kind of you know what you're putting in your body, and especially with all this time, it's been uh, it's been a good time killer. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, tell me about your your parents. So, so your dad owns a small company, and he was your hockey coach until age five, right? Or starting at age five? Yeah, starting at age five. So he's he's from London, Ontario, and he played hockey growing up. He played at the University of Western Ontario. I think he was college athlete of the year at the school there. So he had a great great career as well. And I think he just decided 
at that time he was just going to move on from hockey and but he was a goalie so I think when I first started playing in the kitchen and everything in the basement he wanted me to be a goalie but <laughs> I just I kept wanting to shoot on him in the basement and try and score on him so I think that kind of worked out for both of us and um but yeah we I think for my second birthday we have a home video of I got a stick and was just shooting the ball in the kitchen and then transitioned into the basement and then the driveway and then when I was five finally got on skates and took off from there how, how do you think that you develop skills I mean you all you got to do is go on YouTube if you're a Minnesota Wild fan and look at some of your plays I mean both in college um, especially in Iowa uh, um, just smooth very skilled players great hands um, power play star in the AHL how do you think you develop that? Is it is it just God given, or is it something that you've, or or in combination with just absolute hard work throughout your career? Um, I think a lot of it, hand eye coordination stems from from my young age and and working at it in the basement endlessly. And back then, it, it wasn't work; it was just doing tricks and keeping the ball on my stick as long as I could, or trying to whack balls out of the air or just stick handling just because I I wanted to and it was fun. I remember having targets on my net in the driveway and, and, and just shooting pucks and I had those shooting tarps and everything. So I think back then it would, it, I didn't realize all the, the work that I was putting in and, and how it would help me and what has become a career for me. So it's it's pretty cool to think. But yeah, I think a lot of those skills were developed at a, at a young age and I've just continued to to train at them. We're talking with Sam Annis, uh, Iowa Wild leading scorer, also the leading scorer in the American Hockey League, Iowa Wild all-time uh, leading scorer as well. Uh, let's talk about your awesome mom, Demi. I mean, first of all, she's a she's a crazy Red Wings, Redskins fan, which I know that we won't hold against her. But uh, to me, one of the most fascinating parts of that story is that she's been a federal prosecutor for 35 years, I believe it is. And it really wasn't until fairly recently that you realized how big she is in the federal energy regulatory commission that she, uh, she worked in and oversaw parts of the Enron trial in the eighties and things like that. Yeah. I think, um, as a, both my parents kind of downplay what they do at work and we're always focused on myself and my sister, Georgia and, and what we were doing and what was going on at school that day or what games we might've had coming up or just all the focus they just would deflect from themselves and, and put on to us, which was great as parents. But I think uh, I didn't realize until, I guess, not too recent, but a little bit ago, what what a great job she's done in, in her field and, and everything that she's been involved with and, and away from the work, what she's gone through too, and just seeing that she's still been able to, to work and, and have such a successful career. And it's it's awesome. And you really saw this because you were home during the summertime last year when she, two years ago, when she was diagnosed with cancer for a third time, right? And, uh, and yet she still continued to work throughout it. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was shocked at how much, how much work she was doing from home. And I think she, she actually got a promotion while she was undergoing chemotherapy, which just shows her, her work ethic from home did, did not alter at all. And she just... It's, it was just amazing for me to see. I think you, you kind of know people go to work and, and do what they do, but to see it firsthand and, and constantly on the phone and, and reading stuff and on her computer, just whatever it was, and she was just nonstop and 
just the kind of person and work ethic she has. And how is she doing now? Uh, she's doing well now. She's she's still actually undergoing treatment right now, so it's kind of a little bit of a scary time with what's going on in the world because it makes her a little extra susceptible. So we're taking lots of precautions and stuff like that. And so my dad's been good with her at home. And but other than that, she's got high spirits and. She's looking forward to listening to this podcast later, I'm sure. <laughs> is, is, that, is that one reason why you are staying in, in Iowa right now? I mean, do you feel like you have to kind of stay away from your mom or no? Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely one reason. We, uh, I mean, we were, in, we were in San Jose the same time as, as Minnesota, and you see all those – Toronto was there, and the guy on the, the staff at the SAP Center got it. So it was kind of a, a scary time to th- – to think about it, because in the moment we, you don't realize the the scale of how crazy it was and what it was going to become. So I think we all took precautions and just it's personally it's a little safer to be in a place like Des Moines, Iowa than Washington D.C. right now. I think uh, anytime you're in a smaller populated area and less people around, and it's just safer for everyone. I think. Yeah, and uh, by the way, if you if you um don't know anything about Demi, uh, go on to YouTube and, and watch her drop the puck at the uh, Pink in the Rink ceremony a couple winters ago in Iowa. It was a very emotional uh, moment. Uh, great videos on YouTube as well on, and on iowawild.com. Um, and, and, man, you had a, more than a dozen, I think I know, family members and friends that, show, that showed up for that game just to be part of that honor, right, including some of your college teammates. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, pretty special night. We had, I had, we had people from Florida, D.C., uh, Minnesota, New York, and Milwaukee that all came in and on different, whether they were family, friends, college teammates, uncle. It's just, it was awesome. It was a pretty special night and very thankful for the, that the Iowa Wild let us do that and all they've done and supported our, us and our family has, has been very special to us. We'll talk a little bit about more about Sam's uh, hockey career in a, in a couple seconds, but just tell me about uh, Georgia as well. Your sister, uh, uh, she, I know she was married in the same Greek or- Orthodox ch- uh, church as your, as your parents were about 33 years ago as well, uh, and a uh, big Greek dancer as well, right? Yeah, she, uh, she definitely enjoys the, the Greek dance, and she was in a little bit of a Greek dance group growing up at the church, and they would perform at the the annual Greek festival, which was always fun to go see. And, but yeah, she's good. She's, um, she and her husband actually moved to New York. So they've been quarantining oh boy. hard up in New York city. I, we, uh, my girlfriend and I, Grace just FaceTimed with them last night and kind of talking about the differences between being in Des Moines versus New York city right now. And just, uh, crazy times. Absolutely. Um, again, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. To subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source that you'll get you in for 40% off. We have articles galore. I did a very meaty uh, mailbag uh, yesterday, a uh, mailbag that Sam Annis has been a part of many, many times, by the way. Um, and uh, we have an awesome survey as well that's uh, on there, uh, about 20 questions asking your thoughts about the Minnesota Wild. Um, please go on there in the next day or two. And uh, we will definitely be putting out those results this week as well. We have podcasts galore throughout The Athletic as well. Um, Wayne Gretzky actually joined Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun on Two Man Advantage this week at The Athletic. So please um, listen to that. I got to see you guys play in, in San Jose uh, a couple weeks ago or about a month ago, actually now. 
Um, and as you mentioned, we were right in the beginning of the stages where the next day the Santa Clara Health Department actually uh, recommended that the NHL cancel the Minnesota Wild and San Jose Sharks game. But I was, I got to ask you, I was blown away by the attendance that night that you guys played in front of. I mean, you have to be one self-motivated player, some self-disciplined player to be able to kind of get jacked up for that type of atmosphere. I think there were only four or 500 people in the crowd. Sam, um, how difficult was that? It, it, it's got to be a very weird feeling. It almost felt like a, a training camp scrimmage. Yeah, that's one of the most, uh, I would say that, that rink and attendance is not indicative of what goes on in the AHL. I think that's definitely an anomaly. I don't think we play in any other rink that's, that's like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, especially because it is an NHL size rink and it's the same building as the Sharks play for, for fans listening, that is, it feels even more empty because it's so big that, and there's such little amount of people there. So it's, it's definitely hard. I think we, uh, you try and build off your own energy. I think we would always, we would always joke that right before the game at, as the road team, we got to take the crowd out of it early. I think we, we would joke <laughs> about that there. And, but, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes that just happens. And in the end, you're, you're still doing your job and playing hockey and you just got to take care of business. And that is one big reason why the San Jose Sharks, I believe are building a new arena attached to their practice facility for the Barracuda. Uh, that's where the Barracuda practice as well, because I think they realize that uh, you j it's just a tough sell in a major league market like that. And actually it, what it did show me is how, is how tough it is. You know, Toronto's obviously anomaly where the Marley's, or just, you know, get great, great support. But, you know, there's so many times that I hear Minnesota Wild fans like, God, I wish the Iowa Wild would move, you know, somewhere closer to the, even to the Twin Cities or go to Duluth or, you know, play, play somewhere else. And it just shows you how it's important to be in a city like Des Moines where you guys get incredible support from the fans down there. Right, yeah, we've been – it's it's really grown each year. I think, obviously, no matter what sport or what town you're in, fans like a winning team. So I think it's – it's gone a long way in, in how well we've progressed as a team. This is will have been my fourth year here, so it's been been cool to to see the the growth of the team and and the interest for hockey in the area. Let me uh, sprinkle in a, a couple of um, a couple of of Twitter questions if you don't mind. I mean, one is from Mitchell, and obviously this is a tough question for you, but I've asked it to you before, and you've asked it answered it maturely, but. You know, how hard is it, Mitchell, to kind of, you know, you're leading the AHL in points and yet you still haven't gotten that shot at the NHL level. How, how hard is it to continue to, to push yourself when there's going to obviously be, be disappointment with that? Uh, I don't think it's hard at all to, to push myself. I think what I've, what I've been able to do is just focus on the day-to-day. The -day. I think if you focus on the big picture and someone thinking, well, why is this guy getting called up or this guy has less points or this and that, then, then you're focusing on the wrong, th wrong things and it's going to affect you negatively. I think I just control what I can control and come to the rink every day with a smile on my face and know I'm going to work hard and go to battle with my teammates. And I think in the end, anyone in the AHL that says that they're <laughs> – that doesn't think that doesn't want to be in the NHL is is lying. I think if they say that, so I think everyone obviously is here for a reason, and that that's the motivation there is that I'm I'm still working to accomplish my lifelong goal of playing in the NHL. Have Have they talked to you? I mean, do you have conversations with them that to just 
maybe clear up confusion that I'm sure you get every now and then? Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. About, uh, uh, just about about being not getting the call yet. Um, not really. I just I don't even. I think a lot of guys, or not a lot of guys, but some guys might be talking to their agents more often, and I think that stuff is just just becomes a distraction because then that's you focus on that, and that only creates negative energy. I think, and so I I just try and focus on what I can control, and in the end, if whatever it is, it is, and just come to the rink and try and be a good teammate and work hard and enjoy it. And Sam mentioned uh, the smile on his face. That's one thing even, you know, the, the times that I've been down there, you notice is that you are one popular teammate. Uh, you show up there, one of the nicest guys, always smiling, um, things like that. And one of the funniest things that I at least have witnessed is it does seem like you have a pretty good bromance with uh, with Jerry Mayfew, Mayhew, the leading goal scorer in the American Hockey League, who who played uh, some games with the Minnesota Wild this year. Um, talk about your relationship with, with, with Jerry and what type of one player he is, but person he is as well. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's great. We we lived together last year, and we've had we've bonded so much, and just gotten close with his family and everything. And last year, his parents came down and spent a, a week with us right around Christmas. And his kind of funny how I come from a Greek family; he comes from an Italian family. So there's one day his, his mom just spent all day, as they say, cooking sauce and. So we had a good time with them and just bonding. And he, he's obviously just a, a very special player. And it's great to see how he's, how far everyone's come. And it's been great. And I think a, a funny, good story about him was when uh, this year, when his first game when he was in Toronto, we had a, a meet the fans event at the Wells Fargo Arena. And we we didn't get to see any of the game until about seven minutes left when we finished up and went down to the locker room to put our jerseys away and we turned the game on with six minutes left and the whole team sitting in the lounge and boom two minutes later Jerry scores and we all went pretty crazy it was uh it was a pretty cool moment for a bunch of us that have known him for a while man and I felt so badly for him Sam because because you know I mean you, you know it's such a special moment for the kid and then all of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and you're you, you know you're scoring with a couple of seconds left in a game that was lopsided and an eventual loss so he couldn't even get to celebrate. It really reminded me of Mikey Riley when Riley scored his first NHL goal with the Wild. I'm pretty sure it was in the game. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was in the game that actually wound up getting Mikey O fired. But same thing, you know, he scores late and he can't barely, you know, he can barely even smile. Um, that had to be the toughest part of watching that experience. Yeah, I think uh, we all kind of realized, but we were we were celebrating for him in the lounge. So I think <laughs> that uh, that counts for something. And you guys, as you mentioned, you lived together. Uh, you you were actually the cook in the household, right? Yeah, we had a. I would do a lot of the cooking, and then once dinner was done, he would do the dishes. So it was pretty a uh, pretty funny dynamic we had. And but yeah, it's great. And he's just an awesome kid, and and he works hard, and he's he's also a very popular teammate. <laughs> Um, let me ask you about uh, what else you, you like to do away from the ice. I mean, the one thing I've noticed just from following you on social media is you look like you might be a uh, – like what, what type of golfer are you? I know you love golf. Are you a scratch golfer, or, or where would you put yourself as, as far as a handicap? I, I wish I was a scratch golfer, but uh, <laughs> maybe after a summer of golf I can get closer to that. But, um, no, we've – I just – I love it, and it's a great way to, to spend time with your buddies and – 
and it, I get competitive with it too. So, um, but I was happy this week. We the courses are still open here in Iowa, and so I was able to get out there and and I broke eighty for the first time, which I was very proud of. So that was a that was a cool moment. That's awesome. So, so do, what are the rules right now in Iowa? Like here, we have stay at home where you're you're technically. Uh, even though I've dri- driven by a lot of golf courses and see people on it, you're technically not supposed to be golfing right now. But but there, um, you are allowed to do that. Yeah, there's uh, there's no stay at home, but um, you're just the social distancing. So at the courses, everyone drives their own cart, and there's uh, there's usually something in the in the cup so that the ball mm-hmm. doesn't fully go in, and you can just easily grab the ball. And there's there's no rakes or you don't touch the flags and stuff. So it's, they've done a good job with, with figuring out a way to, to keep us golfers out there, which is nice. That's awesome. And then are, are restaurants open in terms of where you could go in and sit or you, everything's takeout? No, everything else is takeout. So I think, uh, yeah, restaurants and everything is open, but it's just for takeout. Yeah. One thing that they're thinking of doing here, because I, I have a feeling the governor is going to change the rules on golf courses here in the lo- next little bit, is they're actually thinking of having the cups um, out of the hole so people don't touch the flags. Or have they done anything like that in Iowa or, or no? Yeah, there was one uh, one course that did that, and there was just there's kind of a couple different things that I've seen. One had a almost like a, a pool noodle that was cut off that was just in the bottom of the cup that you could just grab or... The one had the elevated cups, like you're talking about. So, a couple different options, and but they're all they're all beneficial to stop spreading. Um, a number of other Twitter questions for you as well. Um, the one thing I did want to ask you: so, you grew up a Caps diehard, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, and like, I mean, that was one of the cool story parts of that story that I wrote on you as well is that your dad will inevitably always get recognized as like, are you Sam Annis's? dad because he'll wear Anna's jerseys to the Caps games yeah I think if uh he's he still supports the Caps and that he's uh he's at him and my mom <laughs> have season tickets so that they they get their hockey fix but uh yeah I think they uh they're a little more split now than they used to be but um yeah I think just having grown up in that area and and being a uh, one of the few players that has made it out of there and with success it's definitely have a, a name and seeing people around the ranks and stuff. So it's great. And so my dad's also made a lot of, a lot of friends my age through coaching. So I think he's become a, he has a little bit of a familiar face too around a rink. Right. Exactly. Uh, did you get, um, did, did you get to celebrate their championship watching the game with your dad? No, I was actually, I was actually in Nashville at the time on a, <laughs> at a bachelor party so I wasn't I wasn't there for that one but uh I mean it was cool to see and it, a different feeling obviously now and and being so close and not as much of a a fan I guess so uh but yeah I think one of the coolest things for me was um a couple summers ago I was training with a bunch of those guys and, and skating with them which was cool to kind of get to know some of them on a personal basis that I've I grew up watching and such nice guys and everything so that was kind of full circle and cool um you you used to skate with Peter Bondra as well right yeah so he was kind of my my childhood hero and his son David was a year older than me so when he was playing for little caps and I think when we were peewees that we would once a week you would split ice with an hour for an hour with the with the team and 
it was actually when Peter was hurt. So he was kind of just on the ice and screwing around at center ice. And I kind of got to do some drills with him. And it was that was probably one of the coolest nights for me. I think I was probably 12 years old. And so that was awesome. Um, let, let me ask you a bunch of Twitter questions. Uh, Peter Bondra was one of my favorite players, by the way. And it's probably because I get to see the best of him. He used to absolutely light up the Panthers when he used to cover them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me ask you, Ryan asks, um, how hard was it uh, not to be able to play at full strength in the NCAA championship game against North Dakota? How injured were you? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a tough time for me. I think we, uh, I got hurt in the conference finals against Harvard. Uh, kind of got ran from behind. Um, had a bad shoulder and then played the, the next weekend in the the regionals and was probably I don't know 50 60 percent and then had a little less than two weeks off before the the frozen four and I think just having played on it that weekend uh, my shoulder was actually worse after a, that 10-day stretch and it was really tough and just kind of looking back and knowing that that's something that you can never get back and it's it's tough and then especially this year playing with Luke Johnson and Keaton Thompson. It's a constant reminder that those yeah. guys beat us in the finals. So uh, that, uh, that always seems to come up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Johnson, that was, that was uh, I felt awful for that guy. He gets hurt in the final uh, practice, final drill, right, before opening night? Yeah, oh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, it was, uh, we were finishing practice with a small game the day before our first game, and, it just you just saw the look in his eye when it happened. It's just such a freak accident, and but he yeah. he bounced back after and however long he missed, whatever it was, six eight weeks, and had a great year. And he's a great player. I remember so my rookie year covering the Minnesota Wild was two thousand five, and that was Miko Koivu's rookie year. And we're in Rochester, New York, playing an exhibition game against Buffalo, and I'm doing this gigantic Miko Koivu feature for the Star Tribune the next day. And it's the second period late, and he gets kneed by Thomas Vanek. And that was back where there was like, you know, it's an exhibition game, so you kind of have no rules from a beat writer perspective. And so I have a heart attack because I'm writing this gigantic, you know, Miko Koivu is going to make his NHL debut in a couple days story. And I run down to the locker room, and I, I just peek in there, and I see him where he could barely walk. And they're working. The doctors are working on his knee, and I call the, I call the strip at the last second. I'm like, we gotta pull the Miko story. There's no way he's gonna. And he didn't. He he missed his. Uh, he missed a month and a half and didn't make his NHL debut. So I I know how. A couple years ago, Michael Granlin got hurt in the final practice uh, before opening night as well, and didn't didn't play in Detroit. It's it, those those are the tough things that that fans don't get to see too. The disappointment that you guys have when you are injured. Yeah, and. I think it it goes in in two ways there you you see how the or you don't get to see the disappointment but then it also kind of you realize how hard that guys practice and are competitive with each other and that you're not just going through the motions in practice and you're you're working hard competing against each other trying to make each other better so when was this year you were pretty much healthy I know two years ago you had the the hand injury in fact wasn't the didn't weren't you wasn't your mom getting treatment on the day that you were having hand surgery? Yeah, that was uh I kinda had a freak freak injury and didn't really realize what had happened and then a week later got an MRI and the guy the doctor asked if I could get surgery tomorrow and I was pretty shocked and called my parents and they were shocked too and 
my dad was like, well, do you want me to come? I'm like, well, mom's going through surgery in a day or whatever it was. And so I was going through surgery. And then I actually, because it was so early in the morning, I, I took an Uber to the, to the hospital. And then Jerry picked me up after surgery and drove me home. And so that was pretty funny. And I guess Jerry did a good job taking care of me. And <laughs> I don't think I did the yeah. cooking that night. <laughs> Um, Trevor Bink asks, uh, who is the funniest and most serious person on the Iowa Wild? Funniest and most serious. Uh, we have a lot of characters on our team. I don't know if anyone is the funniest, but I mean, it's hard to not say Jerry when he's, uh, he seems to be a, a little bit of a goofball and character <laughs> away from, from the rink and stuff. So he's probably the funniest. And then, uh... I don't know about the most serious. It can, I guess sometimes it can be Mike Leambus. He's, uh, <laughs> you don't want to be, you don't want to be the one to upset him, especially on the <laughs> ice. I learned that the hard way my rookie year when he was in Milwaukee and we had to play against him eight times a season. That was, uh, that's one guy you're aware of when he's on the ice. He's definitely got a presence and he's a great leader too. So he's a, he's a great asset to the team. Yeah, old school pugilist uh, right there, and Mike Leambus, uh, who, by the way, uh, is the uh, HL Man of the Year nominee for the Iowa Wild. That was just announced uh, today as well. And he just did that awesome thing a couple of weeks ago where he did uh, led a campaign to donate money to the food bank in, uh, in Des Moines as well, right? Yeah, that was a, a great success, and just kind of seeing how well that unfolded. And I think, that, again, that is a, a credit to our success as a team I think there's more and more of a following here in the Des Moines area and when you see a, a team that you like to to follow and you're more likely to to donate to a good cause and I think it's great to see how it's progressed uh tweet here I won't tell you who it's from uh who is your favorite college teammate at Quinnipiac that could squat a house in the weight room and why <laughs> um I'm pretty sure I can guess who uh <laughs> who sent this question in but uh pretty hard to to peg one favorite teammate, I think we, uh, especially our class, we're a class of 17 at Quinnipiac. We're very close and we still are and in so many ways, whether we're competitive with each other or just having, we're all in each other's weddings and stuff. And I think it's, even last week, we were just, we were work, we did a, a FaceTime workout together. There was, I think, nine of us in there and there's only, three of us that are still playing hockey. So I think everyone else just wanted to jump in and, and get back into it like we were back at school. So it's uh, it a pretty close class. And the guys that are still playing hockey were Devon Taves and the Islanders and Connor Clifton and on the Bruins. And so other guys, and just we just had such a good group, and we're still all very close. And that question was from uh, Joe Fiala, who uh, <laughs> is from Verona, Verona Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, Joe's. Do you know how far that is from the Twin Cities? I've never even heard of it. Um, it's just outside Madison, so okay. I'm not. But yeah, he grew up. He's actually uh, friends with the Suter family, so he knows Ryan, and they've uh, skated together in the summer and stuff. And and Joe grew up uh, in Wisconsin, and then played for the the national team, and then ended up at Quinnipiac. And so yeah, we've been we're still close friends and. He's a great guy. He's a he's a he's one of a kind. That's for sure. Nice, nice. And uh, if you're an athletic subscriber, by the way, I've been uh, texting a, a couple times the last couple of days with Suter. Uh, Going to be doing a story on him this week, and also uh, Suter is a big part 
of a really fun story that I'll be doing the week of April 20th, looking back at the Game 7 victory uh, in Colorado in 2014. Um, there's going to be so many people that I talk to for that story. Uh, Briz Goloff is even uh, willing to grant an interview as well. So if you're an athletic subscriber, you'll enjoy that. Um, Jeremy asked, what was the college hockey atmosphere like at Quinnipiac on a Friday night or a Saturday night? It, it was great. We had, a, I think, a, a good, great-sized college rink. It held about a little more little more than three and a half thousand so probably close to four thousand and I think we were we were sold out every Friday Saturday night and especially when we played Yale who was our big rival they just six seven miles down the road in, in New Haven and that was it's called the Battle of Whitney Ave and just packed house and it's just such a great atmosphere there and, and the fans are so loyal and supportive especially we had when I was there three great years and so it's just uh, that's a very special place to me. Uh, Bartman MN asks, uh, Des Moines has a pretty cool vibe and a lot of young people that like to go out to bars and restaurants. Um, what, where are your pl- favorite places to hang out and what do you do? Uh, what do you like best about living in Des Moines? Uh, I think Des Moines is just such a great place. It's so it's very easy going. I think uh, especially growing up in D.C. It's it's a great change of pace for me and people are so nice out here and obviously a lot less traffic than D.C., which is great. Um, but yeah, we like we spend a lot of time in West Des Moines, and we kind of all live out here, and we're all within five, seven minutes of each other, so we do a lot of stuff together, and it's just really easy out here. Awesome. Uh, Jonathan Brill asks, uh, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the deciding factor in attending Quinnipiac because uh, that was the only Division One school that showed interest, but he also asked, what's your favorite hockey memory? Um, I, I guess it would be playing in the, in the national championship. Obviously, it it didn't go the way we wanted, but something that we couldn't really appreciate in the time, but it was just such a special, just the whole process and building up to it, and it was just great, and red carpet treatment, everything like that, and it was pretty pretty fun and just an, an awesome experience, and it's just a great group of guys. Yeah, it's hard to beat a Frozen Four in Tampa, Florida. Uh, freaking Brock Besser, man, always... Uh, <laughs> figuring out ways to, to score big goals and things like that. Uh, Jack Olson asks, uh, your favorite memory of last year's Iowa playoff run? That was one. Uh, you scored I, – I know one of my favorite memories was actually the breakaway goal that you scored in one of the blowout wins over Milwaukee. Uh, that was a, a sweet, sweet, sweet goal. Yeah, that was uh, – we, we had a great run last year, I think. Uh, honestly, I think the, the best part about it was what I touched on earlier was the – the last game of the regular season we had to win to get into the playoffs and and lo and behold Cal O'Reilly our captain scores in overtime it was just uh it was pretty cool and it was just a that was an awesome time and to know we clinched off that was awesome I have to touch base with Cal um he had a he had a pretty exciting moment um a couple pretty exciting moments when I met when I ran into him and his wife down in uh in the Bahamas they were actually uh flying out to South Dakota when I ran into him at the airport um as well uh, so I got I got a touch base with him. Everybody knows uh, that was actually another good, uh, like, cool, fun feature that I wrote last year during the playoff run was a, a feature on Cal O'Reilly. He just seems like the O'Reilly, uh, you know, family. It just seems like they just ooze leadership and and great great qualities on and off the ice. Yeah, just the the ultimate captain. I think uh, definitely a big loss for us. And he's such a great player, and and just his leadership in in every aspect on and off the ice is just such a great guy and he's uh he's the best captain i've ever had he's he's great 
A couple more minutes with uh, Sam Annis. Again, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. To subscribe, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Uh, please subscribe uh, and, and support The Athletic, especially during this tough time. It's it's amazing uh, right now the way that we're treating, but treated by all of our uh, bosses and headquarters right now uh, uh, during this tough time where we're still running this this incredible business with no sports going on. Um, yet they just continue to treat us like gold. It'd be very nice if you uh, stuck with us uh, with engagement during this process. Um, Minnesota1699 asks, what do you contribute this year to having a bounce-back season um, after being in the bottom six a lot last year? Um, we, we talked about that a little bit. I mean, you know, Again, you're leading the league in, in scoring this year. Um, two years ago, uh, you, you uh, set an Iowa record that with 26 goals, uh, and I think we're, was the highest scoring even strength player. Um, last year, a little bit of tough time. You were, you know, obviously 14 goals and 38 assists in 60 games, but you were dealing with a lot, not just um, your broken hand that caused you to probably miss a dozen games, but, but what was going on with your mom as well. Yeah, I think um, just didn't have as great a year and, and whatever it might have been, and so I really wanted to focus in, in working hard this summer and, and getting back to it. So I uh, I actually changed up a little bit of my summer routine. I spent two months back at, at Quinnipiac training there, and we had a group of alums, and we were all working out every day and, and skating together, which was great. And I lived with uh, two other alums, and we got a house together, Devon Taves and, and Chase Prisky. So I think it was great to surround myself with guys that are also looking to, to make this, the jump, whether it be from Chase was trying to jump from college to the NHL and he had a great year in the AHL and Devon had a, the year before he was kind of halfway in the NHL throughout half the year and then this year full time and just, so it's just great being around guys that that will push you as, as hard as they want to be pushed and is, so it's just a great atmosphere and, and working out back there at Quinnipiac with the the strength coach, Prajesh Patel, is he's great and probably one of the best in the business. And and Sean's close with him too, so that was kind of good that had that connection. And um, being worked out on the ice with the with the coaches, it's just it just seemed like the perfect fit, and it worked out well. And be doing that again, depending on what the, what the summer happens for us. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, man, I hope you do continue playing. Um, a couple more questions for Sam. Uh, Minnesota1699, another good one. Uh, this is a funny one. I can't wait to hear your answer to this. But uh, what are Tim Army's talks like? And is he is the most talkative coach you've ever had. Um, Jeff, our producer on the other end of this, could probably attest to that. Four podcasts ago, I interviewed Tim Army on a game day. Uh, in San Jose, and I probably asked him three questions, and the the uh, podcast lasted more than an hour. And uh, and you guys, by the way, didn't play well that night, so that might be the last game day podcast Tim Army <laughs> ever does. Yeah, um, I'll say this: he does not lack any passion for the game, and <laughs> all all he wants to do is win. And I love that about him. He definitely our meetings are a little longer than some guys are accustomed to, but he just he's. <laughs> He's passionate about the game and about winning, and I'm pretty sure he's still doing video on our last game now. And <laughs> but yeah, he's all he wants to do is win, and, and I love that about him. The funniest thing I think I saw during the playoffs last year was Joe O'Donnell doing those pregame. You guys are in the locker room when these air, but on the jumbotron, Joe at, talks to him. Same thing, asks him like two questions, and it lasts like six minutes. And subtly during every single Tim Army interview. Joe will switch the mic into his other arm because his one arm is dead. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. 
Yeah, he just, uh, I mean, Timmy can talk. That's no doubt about it. Um, Matt asks, uh, what do you still uh, need to improve on to take your game to the, make it to the NHL level? I think, I mean, part of it is just getting stronger and and trying to see what I can, can build on. I think unless you're Connor McDavid, I think everyone can improve on their skating, and I'm sure even he wants to improve his skating. So that's something that you can always work on in, in your quickness and, and building strength and just, um, yeah, continuing to get stronger and, and become a more of a 200-foot player and be accountable and, and all into the ice. How, how do you keep going? I mean, t- does it get hard in the minors? You're always riding buses. You're, you know, you're flying commercially, which I don't think a lot of fans really, uh, you know, you're not being wind and dine like NHL teams. Um, does it get tough at times? Uh, I mean, there's there's sometimes the travels not as it's not as pretty as the NHL might be, and uh, I think Joe O'Donnell, who does everything for us, he's he's the best in the business at what he does, and he's also the best at taking crap from guys about travel or things like that. But he he got a sign made that said, "If you want better travel, play better and make the NHL." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Good for Joe. Yeah, so that's That's great. how you know that you're an AHL veteran at that point, too, from his standpoint, is that yeah. you have the guts to say that to guys. Yeah, but, um, so. yeah, no, I don't think it's it's not something I dwell on. I mean, I, I'm not used to the the chartered planes or anything, so it's mm-hmm. it's not like I'm going backwards or anything. So, yeah, I don't think it's it's bad at all. And maybe the occasional home-and-home home with a team that like Milwaukee that's, I think the AHL thinks they're only about an hour away from us, but they're six hours yeah. away. And sometimes those can be tough on the body, but other than that, mm, I don't think it's too bad. I would say that about the NHL. Uh, not that you feel bad, but, but same thing. It's like they have these back-to-backs against Dallas and it's like, they think Dallas is a one hour flight from the twin cities. Um, do you get to uh, keep your frequent flyer miles by the way in the AHL? Yeah, you can. So, which is, that is nice for sure. Do you ever get upgraded like over Tim Army or something? <laughs> no, but a uh, funny thing about that is, so uh, usually we're we're joking about who has the golden ticket on the flight, meaning <laughs> sitting next to to Tim because he likes to do video. <laughs> he does video on flights, and sometimes he'll give you a little nudge and ask you if you got a sec to to watch a clip. And uh, it's actually usually myself or Josh Atkinson because we're close in the alphabet to his last name, but. Uh, Yes, he's he he does not lack passion and he he gets along well with the guys, so it's been good. Yeah, let me ask you. Um, you are an unrestricted free agent. Uh, if the season is over, um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, will you've obviously had incredible success in Iowa, but yet you still haven't gotten that shot in the in, in the NHL. Will that be a, a deciding factor, maybe, in whether or not you resign? Because obviously, the Wild are going to try to resign you. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's going to kind of see how everything plays out. And I obviously love it here in Des Moines. And it's such a great spot. And I've been able to grow as a, a person here and, and get to know so many great people and, and guys that have been here for a while. Like It's it's cool to see someone like Colton Beck, who's who's grown as a player, and but also a human. I came here the first year. He's He was engaged. Now he's married. He has a kid. His, his kid, Nash, just turned two yesterday. So like it's it's been a special place. And I'm lucky that I've been able to play on the in the same area for the last four seasons, which I don't think most guys, especially at this level, get to do. So it's been it's been great. And then there's a lot of fans that I'm close with, so it's 
Des Moines has definitely become a home for me. That's awesome. Uh, Colton Beck, the all-time games play, lay, played leader for the Iowa Wild. Uh, last question for you, Sam, is a good one. I'll ask you. It was one of the funniest parts of the uh, Zach Parisi podcast a couple, uh, last week. Uh, but Ralph asks, um, who would his choice be for a road roommate to be quarantined with and one you'd avoid? <laughs> um, so last year, my road roommate was Carson Soucy, which was great. Um, <laughs> but this year is Mitch McLean, and I think I'd, I'd probably go with him. He's a, he's such a great guy, and he's got a unique sense of humor that I like to. We like to be around, and we can joke around with each other, and there's no battles over the clicker and who's controlling what we're watching on TV or things like that. So yeah, I guess I'll go with Mitch McLean. I think Jerry would get, would get too annoying after a while. <laughs> <laughs> and how about who would you not want to be, uh, uh, quarantined with? Um, I don't know. That's tough to think. Who would I not <laughs> want to? I don't know. I'd say anyone that's a big, that would play too much, too many video games, because I would get annoyed by that to the whole time. <laughs> You're not a video game guy. <laughs> no, I mean, I've I've played a little bit here during this quarantine because there's not much else you can do. But no, I'm not much of a gamer, that's for sure. Well, that's cool. Uh, the the answer about Mitch McLean, the former Brainerd uh, standout as well. Um, let me ask you just two quick questions. So you mentioned Carson Soucy. How exciting was it to see what he's become this year? Because Really, I don't think a lot of us expected it just because uh, training camp last season didn't go too well for him. Yeah, I think uh, it's great. I think I've always seen his – he's been a – he's got a lot of talent and as you guys saw in, in glimpses this year and such great size and such a – I think a high IQ and, and the way he plays the game and, and can kind of keep it simple or take chances when he know, knows to. And he's such a great guy and so, comes from such a small town and you can kind of get that – feel from him and how he's always in a good mood and joking around and, and just such a nice human and was was really happy for him and his success this year is awesome and last one Kakinen, um obviously leading the AHL in victories he had a tough break with his with his hand injury a fluke hand injury that he had um uh down the stretch as well uh in San Jose um do you you know, one, did this come out of nowhere that you, you know, we didn't see it, get to see him in the Iowa playoff run last year. Did this come out of nowhere for you guys this year to see him play so well? And, and do you think you're not a scout, but, but do you think that a wild fan should be excited that he could potentially be the goalie of the future? Yeah, he's, um, I, uh, I would say yes, that fans should be excited about him in, in the future. He's, he's such a, he's such a good combination of being a, a great competitor, but being so poised too. I think, Sometimes you see some goalies that are just positionally sound, but then don't make those big time game saving stops. And he's such a great combination of being doing both of those. So I think sometimes, yeah, he's definitely grown a lot. And I think last year was probably great for him in that he had a great start to the year. And then Andrew Hammond kind of took over the second half and we leaned on his experience in the playoffs. And I think that was great for Capo and that this year he just, he just ran with it. And it was, it was unbelievable how great he was and he's going to have a very successful career. Well, Sam, uh, you are a class act, especially to spend uh, this much time on the uh, straight from the source show. Uh, you know, uh, it's probably not the most professional thing to do but, uh, from a 
from an objective beat writer standpoint, but when we were in Toronto earlier this season, I, I think I um I took the video of 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 the solo lap that Jerry Mayhew got that game, and I texted it to you, and uh, I did it with Brennan Manel to you as well. Um, and really, I mean, I really hope that one day I get to see you make that solo lap, and that I'm actually the one covering that game because you really deserve it. You've done such an amazing job down in Iowa, and and uh, you know it'd be just awesome to see you get your chance here in in Minnesota. Thank you, I appreciate it. And to, uh, to again to uh, uh, you know, please if you are listening to this podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. If you're listening on The Athletic website or the app, uh, please follow Straight from the Source as well. Uh, Sam, thanks so much, and uh, have a great rest of the time here, and I do hope that I get to cover you guys in a playoff run at some point. Yeah, I hope so too, and uh, stay safe and healthy in this crazy time right now. Yep, take care, Sam. Thank you. Thank you.